privately tutored. Do you want something to drink? Okay, good afternoon and welcome to today's class that we're going to be having today on this week's Torah reading. And this week's Torah reading covers many different uh, items, but one of the Torah things that are mentioned in last week's Torah reading and this week's Torah reading are portions of the Shema. And those portions of the Shema, one of the things that are mentioned in the Shema, the second to the last verse in one of the portions and in the last verse in the first portion of the Shema, is the mitzvah of mezuzah. And you should inscribe them on your mezuzahs, on the doorpost of your home, and on your gateways. And today we're going to talk about the mitzvah of mezuzah. They say a story about when this wealthy guy bought this beautiful mansion and he was renovating it and he hires this contractor to take care of all the details of the mansion. He picks out the furniture, the paint and all that stuff and he says, okay, here contractor, you take care of everything, of course. Being that he's a Jewish fellow, he makes sure to get mezuzahs. And he gets beautiful mezuzahs that he buys from his local Chabad house. And he puts them on the dining room table so that when everything's finished, he can put them up. He comes one day to the house and the contractor tells him, I took care of those things that you put on the dining room table. I took care of them. I hung them up on all the doors. Don't worry. I put all the warranties. I kept them in a separate section for you. I took them out of the cases. <laughs> Little did he know that these warranties are truly a warranty from God, as we're soon going to see over here today. But there's this actually an interesting story that recently happened two years ago when the whole outbreak of the corona started. It started in China, I'm sure you know. And where it all started from, there was a, uh, you know, there all these terrible lockdowns. And if you think about lockdowns here, lockdowns in China were... Uh, Worse, and the Chabad rabbi in China decided that he's going to take a little leave from China until things calm down, and then he'll come back. So he left his little shtetl over there in China for a few months, uh, and then when he came back, his name was Rabbi Henik, and when he came back to uh, China to see what's going on and to see what's happening, he starts heading back to his little town where he lived. He sees the place is blocked off by the police and says, what's going on over here? He says, what happened was when they had the lockdowns, all of a sudden, all the homes were attacked by thieves and things were stolen. And therefore, the police have to check what's going on to make an evaluation of what's going on and what's happening here. The rabbi finally makes it through the police blockade, comes to his home, and he sees how everything's picture perfect, nothing's touched. And the police come over to him and ask him, are you the one that lives here? So he says, yeah. He says, it's crazy. Every single home in the neighborhood was ransacked. The only home that hasn't been touched is your home. So he says, okay, he says, what's going on? A few days later, the police contact him and they tell him, we caught the thieves and we asked them. Our first question was when we caught the thieves was to ask them, why was it that all the homes were ransacked besides this one home of the rabbis? And the thieves told us, and they took out their cameras, their, their phones, and they showed us. And they said, every single home had an alarm system. And of course, in China, we know how to work, work through the alarm systems. We're able to finagle the alarm systems, get through it, and unlock the doors and get in and get what we need. We came to this one home and they showed them the picture. And they say, you had this thing on the door that we had no clue how to be able to break through this alarm system. And therefore, we weren't able to get into the house. What was this one thing? Was the picture, he showed them a picture of the mezuzah on the side of the door. 
And the police look at the rabbi and say, where did you get this alarm system? There's Hebrew words on it that's probably made in Israel, which is better than any Chinese thing over here. And you've got to tell us about this alarm system because since this is the best alarm system ever, it's the only one that the thieves weren't able to work through. And of course, these Chinese people were correct. We, the Jewish people, have an unbelievable alarm system that we place in our doors, which is called a mezuzah. And this alarm system that's on our doors, which is the mezuzah, is not something which is a new invention, but it's something that 3,000 years ago, God gave every single Jewish person a gift of protection, and that gift of protection is the mezuzah. Code of Jewish law tells us very clearly that the Code of Jewish law explains and tells us the details of what the protection of the mezuzah is all about. When Code of Jewish law describes the importance of doing a mezuzah, the tour, which is the pretext of the Code of Jewish Law says that it is a positive commandment to write the Shema and the Vahoyim Shemaya, which is the second paragraph after the Shema, write them in a piece of parchment, place it on your doorpost, and one who is careful with this, God gives him a reward of long life, as it says in the following verse, in Vahoyim Shemaya, so that you should be able to have long life. Even greater than this, the Code of Jewish Law continues, is that the home is protected because of it. And over here the question is, how is it possible that greater than long life is that your home is protected? Is your life more valuable than your home? Is it your health more valuable than your possessions? Why then does the Code of Jewish Law say, and greater than this, is that it protects your home? The Beis Yosef, Rabbi Yosef Cairo, who codified the Jewish law when explaining and putting this down, explains as follows. And says that even though for a person his health is more important than his possessions, and the most important thing a person can be blessed with is long life, however, long life is not a revealed miracle. Long life can be attributed to many different things. Long life, one can say, well, I ate healthy, I exercised, I went to the doctor, I had good medications, whatever it may be, it's longevity, it's in the genes whatever it may be. But protection of the possessions is a revealed miracle that nobody can deny. And the mezuzah is that type of protection that the people that live in that home are protected with it more than anybody else around them. It's a revealed miracle, not something that anybody can deny. We see over here that the, the miracle of protecting the home is something that the Code of Jewish Law and Rabbi Yosef Cairo explains and says that this is idealistic, this is part and parcel of the mitzvah which shows us that by having a mezuzah, you are actually protecting your home because of it. The intrinsic connection between the two is a real one, Rabbi Yosef Cairo explains. Not only is it real, but while the blessing of long life is also real, but it's something you can see. And today, as we study in the Torah reading of Parshas Ekev, we read about Vahoyim Shavoyah, that if you shall follow these commandments, it is that portion that is written in the mezuzah. It's that portion that is repeated again from last week's Torah reading, the Shema, and this week's again, which tells us about the blessing of the mezuzah. So let us dig a little deeper in understanding why is it that the mezuzah is meant for protection? Or is it meant for protection? So let's go back with the story that the Talmud tells us in Jerusalem Talmud about 2,000 years ago about Rabbeinu HaKadosh. Rabbeinu HaKadosh was the author of the Mishnah, the one who compiled all the Mishnah together. And on the Mishnah is what you have, we have today, the commentary and the explanation of the Talmud. 
and which is probably the basis of all of Jew, oral, the Jewish oral law. And the Talmud tells us the following story, that once Artibun, he calls him Artibun, what Artibun means for many in the translation means a very important minister, sent a gift of a beautiful gem to Rabbi Noah to Rabbi Yehuda Anasi. Rabbi Yehuda Anasi, and he asked him, he says, can you please, I'm sending you this gift of the gem. They weren't shy of saying, you can please re- give the gift back. And therefore he said, I'm sending you the gift of a gem, please send me back a beautiful gift as well. Rabbi Noah hired a scribe and he wrote out a beautiful mezuzah scroll and sent it to Artaban. Artaban, upon receiving the scroll, was disappointed because don't forget, those days everything was written on parchment. So she was sending a scroll, which she did not know of any significance of, sends back to Rabbi Yudha Nasi and says, I don't understand. I send you this precious stone and all you send me back is a piece of paper, a little scroll. Rabbi Yehuda Nasi responds to him and says, you sent me something I have to hire guards for. I sent you something that's going to protect you. And of course, as it continues, Rabbi Choy explains, and as it continues, the commentators say what happened was that a few uh, months later, the daughter of Artaba became very ill. He was his only child. She was his only child. And they had all the doctors didn't know what to do. They, everything they gave her, all the different medications, they tried them at work. And they took that scroll that Rabbi Yehuda Nasi gave them, which was the mezuzah, and brought it into her room, and she was healed. We see over here that this unbelievable effect, where over here Rabbi Yehuda took a mezuzah, sent it to a Gentile person, who then used it to be able as a protection, which brought healing to his daughter. And over here the question is, how is it possible that Rabbi Yehuda Nasi was a leader of the Jewish people, was a, who had a lot of influence about all the people around him. He was very friendly with the Roman Emperor of Antoninus, and many other great leaders of his time, Jews and non-Jews. And over here, somebody sends him a special gift, and what does he send in return? A mezuzah. Not only a mezuzah, but a mezuzah that has an effect and is able to create miracles. And the question is, how was Rabbi Yehuda Nasi allowed to send a mezuzah, which is seemingly a holy scroll dedicated for Jewish people, to a Gentile? In fact, the Talmud talks about a different code of Jewish law, I'm saying, it talks about different areas where there was a person who requested, a Gentile requested for a mezuzah, and there were those authorities who refused. There are other halachic authorities who say that if it is a question of life and death, and if it's going to cause and create animosity amongst the, Jew- the Gentiles, then you're allowed to. But the question is even more so. How does a mezuzah help a Gentile if they're not even obligated to the mitzvah of mezuzah? The mitzvah of mezuzah is given to the Jew, not to the Gentile. Maimonides frowns upon the fact about people who utilize mezuzahs as amulets. Maimonides says that these people that write the mezuzah and they think that because of that they're going to have special names for protection, they're making a mistake. The commentary on Maimonides says even though we find the story, that it is found about Rabbi Yehuda He says, this is the mezuzah if it's written for the purpose of protection. But even though mezuzah is the protection, where do we put a mezuzah? On the outside of our home. Why do we put it on the outside of our home? Is that the mezuzah should protect us. 
So the commentary on Maimonides explains that what Maimonides does frown the bad is that what's the reason why the person's writing the mezuzah? Is the person writing the mezuzah for a reason of only of protection? That's incorrect. Then it's like writing an amulet. But if the person is writing the mezuzah for the sanctity of the mitzvah that God gave us, then it automatically brings about a protection. But still in all, we find there's a Mishnah that tells us that in the time of the Talmud, in the time of the Holy Temple, if somebody was impure and touched something that was impure, that item that they touched became impure as well. And the Mishnah talks about a walking stick, if it becomes impure by a person touching it. And what kind of walking, t- walking stick? And the, and the Mishnah says there was a walking stick that had in it a little insert. And in that insert, they would put a mezuzah for protection. So the person walking with the stick carried a mezuzah wherever he went. And what was the reason why were they carrying the mezuzah? For protection. What do we see clearly here? That people did carry mezuzahs for protection. So what is it? Is the mezuzah good for protection or the mezuzah does not work for protection? Is the mezuzah meant as a mitzvah not for protection? How, what avenue, what worth is the mezuzah and how do we view the mezuzah as a mitzvah? So going back to the first question, how is it possible that Rabbi Yudha Nasi should send a gift to, the, to a Gentile? There are some commentaries on this Jerusalem Talmud that explain that not necessarily was he a Gentile, that the word Artaban does not mean a Gentile. Artaban was a person of high stature, and it could even be that he was a Jew, just a Jew who was not well-versed in the laws of mezuzah, and therefore did not know why he was sending him a mezuzah. There are other cases where we find that Artaban is used in Talmudic reference as people of high stature, people that had a certain type of um, work that they were able to utilize, that they were in certain, uh, certain trades, and therefore they were considered called Artaban, architects, whatever it may be at the time, as what an Artaban is. In my desk. We'll see, it says your name. So over here we have... The, so that's what some want to respond to and say why uh, he gave it, why he was allowed to give to that person. But still in all, if you look at the simplicity and the simple interpretation of the uh, Jerusalem Talmud, it seems like that the individual did not know what a mezuzah is. And therefore was upset at Rabbi Yehuda Anasi for sending him a mezuzah. And only after he explained to him and told him what the mezuzah is, did he accept that as an answer and when it worked that it actually healed his daughter. Some want to say, the Netziv of Elohim, Naftali Yehuda Tzvi Berlin says, that the reason why that was allowed in that case was because Rebbe wrote it specifically for the non-Jew, and if it was written specifically for the non-Jew, so therefore it doesn't have that level of holiness. For example, we find that the rabbis that translated the Talmud, or translated the Torah in Greek for the Talmai Hamelech, to not have the same holiness because since it was written specifically for a cause of non-holiness. So the holiness factor of it, so to speak, it was allowed because it was specifically written for that case. But still in all, the fact that the Talmud tells us the story, he used it for protection. Had it worked for protection if the non-Jew was not obligated in mezuzah? So it seems like there are more pieces to the puzzle that have to be completed here. And therefore, let's analyze a little deeper the story of mezuzah and where we keep mezuzah and why we have mezuzah. One of the interesting things are we know that we write 
understanding this Shabbos is going to be the Shabbos that we bless the month of Elul. The month of Elul, as we know, is the precursor of the High Holidays. It's a time where we start preparing ourselves for the High Holidays. Hasidic dictum used to say that already in the month that we bless the month of Elul, the Shabbos that we bless the month of Elul, you feel the energy, the atmosphere of Elul already coming towards us, which is an atmosphere of awe, fear, and the love of God, the time that we have to prepare ourselves for the High Holidays. And one of the ways of preparing for the high holidays is brought by a rabbi of Ephraim Zalman of Margolius about 200 years ago. He was the chief rabbi of Brody, who wrote in his book called Mate Ephraim that one of the things that we can do in preparation for the high holidays is that we should check our mezuzahs to make sure they are kosher. Because as in the mezuzahs we're standing in these portions, Moshe's last will and testament to the Jewish people, he tells them, Shema Yisrael, hear O Israel, and what does he follow by telling them? That they should write mezuzahs and put them on their doorposts. That in this week's Torah reading and in last week's Torah reading, Moshe reiterates his last message to the Jewish people, which is about writing a mezuzah and putting a mezuzah on our door. So we see the very fact that it's mentioned not only once in the Torah, but twice consecutively, and especially at this time when we read the Torah reading, it's an opportune time that we should check our tefillin and mezuzahs in the month of El. But over here, Moshe tells them as follows. And Moshe says, have the mezuzah written on your doorpost. Why? Why did Moshe want that they should take these portions of Shema, which is mentioned in this week's Torah, last week's Torah reading, and Vahayim Shema, you mentioned in this week's Torah reading, that it should be mentioned, that it should always be on their doorpost. Where else is it mentioned? Also in the Tefillin, we wear these, these actual scrolls. These verses. And over here, Moshe is telling the Jewish people that every time you walk in and walk out of your home, you should be able to see and remind yourself of the Shema, the Yehavtas Hashem of God, and the Hayyam Shemayim to accepting upon yourself the mitzvahs. What was Moshe telling the Jewish people? Moshe was saying, you know, in these two actual portions, the first one talks about your subservience to God, but your commitment to God out of love. The second one talks about not only your commitment to God out of love, but also your commitment to God that should you follow the commandments, God reciprocates in kind. He says, you follow the commandments, I give you, gra- I give you water, I give you everything you need. If God forbid you don't, it works in tandem. That means Moshe is reminding the Jewish people that they should integrate within their heart and their minds that wherever they go, they should always remind themselves that they have a commitment to God. And that as long as they're committed to God, God will be committed to them. That relationship that's intrinsic within every every single person should be not only something that they put on their tefillin, but also something hanging out the door, something that will remind them wherever they go. But why? What was the need to be able to put the mezuzahs on the door? To be able to read it? Why can't I just have it in a book and remind myself? What's the need to put it on the door and on the tefillin as well? Maimonides, when he talks about the laws of mezuzah, Maimonides says that a person, every time he walks in and out of his house, and he touches the mezuzah, it should remind him about his awe and love that he has of God. But he says we have that in three things. In the mezuzah on our door, in the tzvillin on our arm, and in the tzitzis that we wear. But interestingly enough, what is the only one that, it is for, that we say is for protection? is the mezuzah. Why? Because the tzitzis, how do I know that it resembles fear and awe of God? 
is through a numeric value that sits as a 600 and not because it's 613 and so on. The where are the scrolls? They're covered in the box. I don't see them. What's the only mitzvah that when I seek constantly the name of God is the mezuzah. That's why we also try to have a clear case so you should see the name of Hashem whenever you walk by it. The Torah reminds us that not only does a person have this opportunity, that a person knows that the Torah tells us that you know the human being is not a bad person. The human being has inclinations, has a godly inclination, has an animalistic inclination. And therefore, sometimes we get influenced by the things around us. So what does God do? He sets up reminders, wherever we are, that we should behave accordingly. It's like a person that's going in the street and wants to start speeding. He's driving his car. But all of a sudden, he sees on ways and he sees on his map where he sees a police ahead and he sees those blue lights flashing and reminds himself, i got to slow down. Does he want to speed? He doesn't want to speed. He wants to get to his destination. But does he want to do the thing wrong? Maybe not. He just needs reminders every so often. And that's why we have the rules in the book. But sometimes when you see it in front of you, it gives you a better reminder of what it may be. The Talmud tells us an interesting story. That there was this individual once who was about to do a terrible sin with a woman, not of his. And he, as he's getting undressed to be able to greet this woman, he takes off his scissors and his scissors whacks him in the face. And all of a sudden he gets a tremble and he says, what's going on over here? He sits down on the floor and starts crying. That prostitute that he was going to be with, all of a sudden says, what, you don't like me anymore? And he reminds her and he tells her, no, I took off the tzitzis and it reminded me of my relationship with God, of how I'm supposed to behave and how this is evil of what I'm doing. When this woman saw how the mitzvah of the tzitzis was able to remind him of a relationship with God, she said, teach me more about Judaism. I want to learn more about Judaism and she converted. So we see over here that the mitzvahs that God gave us are there as reminders wherever we go to help us achieve our goal in connecting with God. But yes, the Torah tells us that the mitzvah of mitzvah mezuzah is a wonderful mitzvah. To the extent that when we follow what God tells us, it'll give us long life. But the mezuzah is even more than that. The mezuzah is not only a reminder, but it's a protection on the people that live on the home. Where does that protection come from? So let's rewind a little bit back to the book of Exodus. When the Jewish people were going out of Egypt, what did God tell them? That they should take the blood, put it on their doorpost. This way, the one, the angel of death who's coming to kill the Egyptians should leap over their homes. What is it telling us? That when we put something on our doorpost, the Talmud learns from here that the same way when the Jewish people put something on their doorpost then, it protected them from the angel of death. So too, when we put something on our doorpost today, the mezuzah protects us and the people living in the home. The Zohar tells us that when a person builds a home, God tells them, write your name and put it on your doorpost. And then those living in the home will be protected. What is the cause for the protection, the Zohar says? By the very fact that you write your name in this mezuzah, this automatically protects the people that are in the home. The Rabbeinu Bechayah, which is a commentator on the, on the Chumash, in last week's Torah reading, says 
that when we write the letters on the outside of the parchment, the entire scroll on the inside of the parchment is where it has the Shema and the Vahayim Shemayim. But when you write your God's name on the outside, you write the letters Shin Dalud Yud, which is the God's name of Shakai, which also stands for the words Shomer Dalsos Yisrael, that God protects the doors of the Jewish people. Every single person writes God's name in this way, that this is the abbreviation of the words that's saying that God is protecting us. And in fact, the Zohar says that the word mezuzah in Hebrew is the same numeric value as God's name of Adnai, which is 65. In fact, the Zohar says, continues to say that the word mezuzah, if you take the word mezuzah and you split it in half, makes up the words zuz mavis, death move over, meaning that you don't have the ability to attack here. So what we see over here clearly is that the purpose of the mezuzah is for protection. And therefore the Talmud tells us, and in many cases it's brought about in Tahalachic uh, explanations, that number one is that where do we put the mezuzah? The mezuzah is always on the outside. On the door, put it on the doorpost, but closer to the outside because its purpose is to protect as much as we can on the inside. Number two, who is obligated to put up a mezuzah? Not the owner of the home, but the one that's living in the home. So if you're renting a home from somebody, the landlord doesn't have obligated to put up, is not obligated to put up mezuzahs. The person that's renting is obligated to put up mezuzahs. It's the obligation of the person that's living in the home because it's protecting the people in the home. The Talmud uses this in many different cases, using the terminology that the mitzvah, again, of mezuzah is there for protection. And the question over here is, again, if the mitzvah of mezuzah is for protection for the people that live in the home, how then, back to our original story, did Rabbi Yehuda HaNasi send the mezuzah to a non-Jew who was not obligated to mezuzah? And how was it that people were putting mezuzahs in their sticks, in their walking sticks? How was that going to protect them? And the Rebbe explains to us that the mitzvah of mezuzah over here is deeper than just the actual effect of the mitzvah. That in fact, in the mitzvah of the mezuzah, there are two points and two aspects of it. It's not that I have a mitzvah of mezuzah and then the reward of the mitzvah is that it protects you. But over here, the Rebbe is telling us that when we look deeper into the mitzvah of mezuzah, that the mitzvah of mezuzah is unique and different than any other mitzvah in the Torah. That the entire purpose of why God gave us the mitzvah of mezuzah was for protection for the Jewish people. That means that when God gave us the mitzvah of mezuzah, he gave us, number one, a mitzvah that we should have a mitzvah on our doorpost. But even more so, he gave us a gift that nobody else can give us. A gift that because God loves his chosen people, he gave them a gift of protection from that day on and for eternity. That when we put a mezuzah on our door, God is standing there and protecting our doorways. Who was the first person that said it? Uncles. You recall who Unculus was? He is mentioned in every single Chumash. You see is on the side, the Aramaic translation. That is from Unculus Ager. The Talmud refers to him, the Unculus of the convert. He was from a Roman family. His grandfather, his uncle was the Roman emperor. And he was a brilliant individual. And his uncle said, I want to give you money and you go find, invest it in something that's worth the most. He went and traveled far away and became a convert and were converted to Judaism. When the Roman emperor heard about this, because then to convert to Judaism was 
liable of capital punishment. He went to summon him. And every group of soldiers came and convinced them and persuaded them and they became converts as well. Finally, he got so angry, he said, tell him I'm not going to hurt him, but he has to come here. I have to hear what he did. Don't allow him to talk. Just grab him in chains and bring him here. As they put him in chains, they take him, he puts his hand on the mezuzah before he leaves. And they ask him, what are you doing? Why are you smiling when you put your hand in the mezuzah? So he explained to them and says, what do you mean why I'm smiling? The way of the world is that the king sits in his chambers and sends the soldiers out to fight. He doesn't protect them. He is protected by the soldiers. But God, he is different. He stands on the outside while protecting his people on the inside. This mezuzah is God protecting us on the outside. What was Unculus telling us? Unculus is telling us something very deep here. Unculus wasn't just saying that this is a reward of the mitzvah. He's actually saying the purpose of the mezuzah is for our favor, is for our purpose. Rabbi Yol Sirkish Tabach, they says it clearly in the Code of Jewish Law. The greatest thing that the mezuzah has is that it gives us protection on the home, more than even the long life. That we explained before, like the Rabbi Yosef Cairo says, all the other mitzvahs, the reward comes in the distant future. However, the mezuzah mitzvah, the reward for the mezuzah, is at the moment that there's a mezuzah on your door, that in itself, the mitzvah in itself, gives you the protection. With this, we now understand also continuing what was going on over here with the mezuzah. The mezuzah itself is a protection even when it's not a mitzvah. So when Rabbi Yehuda Anasi sent it to that woman, or to that fellow Artaban, and he put it in his daughter's room, even though they weren't obligated in a mitzvah, because the mezuzah itself, the scroll itself, is a protection. Because the way that God made it, that it should be a protection. The item itself is a protection. That's why those people put it in the stick when they were walking with it. That means the mezuzah itself is connected with the item of the mezuzah. It's not like a separate entity. In every other mitzvah, you do a mitzvah, God gives you a blessing for long life. You do a mitzvah, there's a, there's a reward that comes for, with it and, and, and in touch with it. But over here, it's the actual mitzvah itself is the protection. And therefore, when Maimonides was frowning about, when Maimonides was upset about, were people who make a mezuzah not for the sake of a mitzvah. But if one was to write a mezuzah properly and have it for the sake of a mitzvah, then that mitzvah itself protects those that are obligated and those that are not obligated. It's interesting that the Rebbe writes in a letter to somebody who was having suffering from migraine headaches that they should carry a mezuzah with them in their pocket, wherever they go. Of course, that is to be carried in a special way that, it should, that you're allowed to take it in places where are, uh, you know, impure, in a double seal, but as a way to stop headaches. They even quote that the previous Rebbe would always have a mezuzah sitting on his table, wherever he went. Even though he had a mezuzah sitting on the door, but wherever he went, he had a mezuzah with him. The Rebbe told, in fact, Rabbi Label Baumgart, who was the rabbi here, he had one time a terrible accident on Jackie Robinson Parkway, where he, before there was a divider, and he was uh, coming back from Long Island, heading towards upstate. And after he got into a terrible accident, thank God everything was okay. And his uncle, Rabbi Label Groner, went to the Rebbe to tell him what happened. And the Rebbe asked, does he have a chitas, which is the Chumash Tulum and Tanya, said yes. Does he have a pushka, a charity box in his car? 
And then the Rebbe told him that he should put a mezuzah in his car as well. Not on the door of the mezuzah, but in the glove compartment. He should have a mezuzah, and he told him he should get more sleep. <laughs> but that was the he should have a mezuzah in his car as well. Hmm. There's many things, and that the Rebbe mentions many times, that even in places where a person goes, to have a mezuzah, a person was in a hospital, and they wanted to make sure that they, their surgery goes well, or whatever it may be, the Rebbe told them to take a mezuzah with them in the hospital. There's a fascinating story, which was just told recently by the person himself who it happened to, Rabbi Grossman, who is the rabbi of Migdal HaEmek in Israel. His daughter, this is going back uh, many years ago, in the 1970s, his daughter was in seminary in Israel, and all of a sudden, one day, she had a terrible infection on her eye, that her whole eye got swollen, and she couldn't see through that eye, and they didn't know what to do. They went from one doctor to the next doctor to the next doctor, going from all the doctors in, in Israel, nobody was able to help them. They told them, one of the doctors in Israel told them that there's a very big doctor in, uh, in America who is a professional eye doctor, the biggest in the world, the top in the country, go to him and he'll be able to do something. Because one person said it's an allergy, another person said it's the retina, and then another person said it was another thing. So he went, and they came right away to America, and they went immediately to this eye doctor. This eye doctor took all different x-rays and shots to be able to see what was going on. And he said, come back in three days and I'll have an answer for you what's going on over here. The daughter tells her father, Rabbi Grossman, I'm here in America. We're here for three days. Let's go see the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And as they leave the doctor's office, immediately they took a car from Manhattan to New York to go see the Rebbe. At that moment, the Rebbe was coming. They got there at about 9.45. The Rebbe was coming from his house, coming into shul at 10 o'clock. They stood right by where the Rebbe's car, the Rebbe comes out of his car. Rabbi Grossman said, I did something out of the ordinary, which I, so to speak, jumped in front of the Rebbe. And I told the Rebbe that my daughter just came back from the eye doctor. This is a terrible that she could barely see with her eye. And you can see on her eye that it was completely swollen because it was getting worse because of travel and whatever it may be. The Rebbe looks at him and says, check your tefillin and mezuzahs and she'll have a speedy recovery and you'll see from her nachas from her children and grandchildren. That's what the Rebbe said. Immediately he calls up his wife he says, go check the mezuzahs in the home, take the mezuzah from her dorm room in the seminary and send it to the sulfur. They immediately took it to the scribe. The mezuzah from her dorm room in the seminary, the word enecha, it said, the word Einecha, eyes, was completely wiped out. They fixed the mezuzah. Within hours, the swelling went down, back to normal. They went, they had the appointment three days later with the specialist. He walks in, he says, I've never seen it before. Miracle! <laughs> never seen it before. Here's the x-rays, here's this, it's all clean. Fast forward 20 years later, Rabbi Grossman is honored in in a, by a shul in Teaneck, New Jersey. He walks into the shul in Teaneck, New Jersey. He sees a guy standing with a thousand fillin on the side praying. And he says, that face looks familiar. The guy walks over to him and gives him a hug. He says, do you recognize me? He says, I'm that eye doctor. He says, because of you, I'm religious today. I said, when I saw that miracle, I said, there must be a God. And I started learning more and today I'm religious too. What we see from over here is the bottom line is, that when it comes to a mezuzah, a mezuzah is the absolute protection on the home. So before we hire lawyers, alarm systems, and all the other things, we got to make sure 
we have the best mezuzah in our home to make sure that it's kosher. Because as Code of Jewish Law tells us, this is a practical, revealed miracle that protects us and the people in the home. Which brings us to another interesting point. There's another concept which is found in Jewish law. Is, is a person allowed to say generally, you know what, I want to do this mitzvah in order that I should win the lotto, in order that this person should feel better, in order that I should get this. I'm going to have put, uh, donate these books to the library so that I should have business, good, good success in my business. And in Jewish law it says, though technically a person's allowed to do it, but that's not the ideal way of doing things. However, there's one exception. A person's allowed to say, I want to invest and put a good mitzvah, a good, good mezuzah, so I should have it. My house should be protected well. It's the best investment in the alarm system you can make. And that the Torah says, and that Jewish law says, I'm allowed to do. Why? Because a mezuzah is the protection for a person. And the better the mitzvah is, the better protection you have. The better your investment is. Interesting story, which is, the previous Rebbe, when he was arrested by the communists, and he was thrown into prison, he talks about it, and uh, he says a story over there that one of the investigators came there and tries to rattle the previous Rebbe to try to get him to say, confess or say something, give up some information, and the previous Rebbe wouldn't say anything. Finally, the guy in frustration, the, invest the interrogator goes, Do you know where you are? And the previous rebel looks at him and says with a stern face, yes, I am in a place which is not obligated to have a mezuzah. What was the previous rebel saying? What places are not obligated to have a mezuzah? A bathroom, a stable, a washhouse, and things like that. He says, when it's not obligated to have a mezuzah, does it mean that it doesn't have protection? No. It's because God says that place, you don't need a mezuzah, but not having one there means you're protected. What the previous Rebbe was telling this investigator, this interrogator, the fact that there's no mezuzah here, you think that makes me scared? No, because God says no mezuzah is needed here. Therefore, I know I'm fully protected. Therefore, the very fact that it doesn't have a mezuzah, I'm fully protected and I'm not concerned that God is watching over me. We have to know that the same obligations that we should know that putting up a mezuzah on our doorway and kissing it when we go in and when we go out. Reminding us that we have to be strong against the inclinations of the world. Reminding us that God is protecting our home whether we're in it or not. Because that protection of the mezuzah protects the person even when they're not in the home. This is the mitzvah that Moshe was telling the Jewish people right before his passing. This is the mitzvah that Moshe was reminding the Jewish people of how God protects them wherever they are and whatever they do. But that protection comes that as long as we have God in our mind, we are on God's mind and will always be protected. Thank you.